Welcome to Sessions with My Therapist. This is Angela. And Natasha. We are here today with our very first interview. My personal favorite, my therapist, one of my favorite people. She's become one of my favorite people, Rebecca Cochran. Say hi, Rebecca. Hey. Thank you hey, for Angela. us. How are you? I'm great. Oh my gosh, thanks for having me. I'm glad you came and I'm glad that it's free. So listen. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I, I would definitely pay for your expertise. You're the best. Thank so, you. So today's Let's do it. topic is going to be about stereotypes, misconceptions about therapy, especially when concerning the Black community. And then we're going to talk about the trial and how we can protect ourselves mentally, but still yes. kind of be there and support. And also just what's happened in the last week, if, if you all know, Dante Wright was shot accidentally. Uh, by the police is what the officer claimed that she shot him accidentally when reaching for her taser. And of course, it's made national news that Minnesota has turned up once again and they are not happy. They are protesting in the streets. There has been combat with police. And so we just want to talk about the trauma and the pain that our community must be feeling, how we can protect ourselves mentally, how we can stay mentally healthy, how we can do that and stay engaged. If we want to disengage, how do we do that, if that's okay. But before we get all into that, let's go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us your okay. bio, kind of how long you've been doing this thing, why I'm your favorite client. <laughs> oh, she's really paying me under the table, guys. I'm just kidding. Hey, it's it's great being here. I'm Rebecca. I've been doing therapy, oh my gosh, since 2006. Um, I worked in an agency setting, which was awesome and really challenging. And then I switched over to private practice after I have my daughter. And so I've been doing private practice since about... When was that? 2012? Mm -hmm. 2012. So that's it. That's the scoop. That's about it. <laughs> that was pretty concise. We, we like it like that. <laughs> so let's just hop right in. You know, we created this podcast because misconceptions, fears, stereotypes about therapy, which I full disclosure, had myself before coming to, to see you. And let's just talk about why those feelings are valid and why now as medicine has progressed and doctors and providers do care more about the patient than they might have done when we were considered just property, you know, how those things, how we can transition from those fears and stereotypes into healthy relationships with our psychiatrists, with our doctors, with our psychologists, our counselors. Yeah, it's sort of like where do we start? You know, and you were, you're speaking front about all of this about, you know, this isn't something that has just happened overnight. There's a long term dysfunctional relationship with systems that are put into place to help you know, whether that is mental health care, whether that is medical care, mm -hmm. there is a lineage of mistrust and rightly so for a myriad of reasons. Absolutely. And there's one instance that I want to talk about. I found this article just kind of researching, you know, I've been reading the book Medical Apartheid, with it, which is a heavy read, but it's necessary, I think, for anyone in the medical profession and anyone who is just interested in kind of the historical context of medicine and how it was really founded and discovered and built mainly on the bodies of Black people. 
Africans, enslaved Africans. And so in this article, Lunacy Under the Burden of Freedom, written by Mary Wingerson in 2018, she talks about Dr. Samuel Cartwright, who is in a sense, the father of psychology, psychiatry in a sense. And he would diagnose slaves who had mental disorders as either malingering or malfeasance or just straight up lying. And what he would prescribe for them would be beating them. And so I think it starts there when we when we talk about slaves who were sick, they were malnourished, they were abused, they were they they were just in a very traumatic space and they were not believed. One because it wasn't cost effective to believe them and get them the help they need. And two because this is an exploratory time in America. And so no one knew what anything was, especially white doctors who didn't have to deal with, you know, different diseases, didn't have the experience that some Africans may have had on the continent. And so I think it started then with the mistrust. Black people knew that they weren't going to get the help they needed. And so I think that has gone into Jim Crow. Of, of course, this story of Henrietta Lacks, the, the Tuskegee experiments. And so if you want to talk a bit more about that and how that has transitioned into modern medicine and why. Black people still may not have trust for the medical profession or the community. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think you're 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 touching on so many important issues and something that did come up um, when I was sort of prepping for this is that there is there's never really been a comprehensive look at mental health mm-hmm. for black people. And that what typically happens is that it's mistaken for aggression. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we see this sort of playing out currently in a lot of different ways, but it was taken for aggression and met with aggression and like yeah. physical brutality and abuse as a way of treating that. And I think mainly because people, well, I don't know if they knew better, you know, they yeah. were kind of, does that make sense? Does that come yeah. out right? Yeah. I think you're right about not having enough knowledge. You said exploratory time. Yeah. Um, that's exactly right. But how, how does that get separated from where we are now? Mm-hmm. I don't think that it can, mm-hmm. especially as we see this continuing to happen. Inability to even get the care that's needed. And mm-hmm. what would that look like if they did find quality mental health professionals to assist with that? Exactly. That's your question. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, I like to ramble sometimes. Don't we all? But I think rambling gets you to a point at some point, you know? So how do you, how do you think we go about seeking mental health care? How do we go about finding that trust in that common area? How do we go about doing that? As someone who's, when I first started to uh, seek a therapist, I did not, I didn't know where to start. I didn't know how to trust. I didn't know what to look for. Mm-hmm. But what do we look for when we are seeking therapy just from scratch, in a sense? That's a great question. And it's a hard question. I mean, mm-hmm. I have to be honest and say, when I started my own personal therapy, I couldn't find anybody. I was like, how does one do this? And I am a therapist, right? Like, how do yeah. I navigate, even as a white woman, how do I navigate trying to find someone that could potentially be a decent therapist? It isn't easy. Period. Yeah. I think one thing that is incredibly challenging now is that increasing access to culturally competent care. It it starts in many different areas, but just looking at it from a therapist training, how many classes do you think I had in multicultural counseling? I'm going to say one. Yep. 
One. One. I had one multicultural class in grad school. That is not enough. Wow. That's not enough. Oh, in grad school. Okay. Grad school. Grad school. In counseling training, I had one multicultural class. And what, and then I was telling Angela, you know, not knocking the University of Memphis in any way, but that was 2006. We'd not, and again, not an excuse, but we'd not quite had this major racial awareness and reckoning in our country the way we're having it now. So I'd be curious to see what that program looks like now from a multicultural Mm -hmm. perspective. What are we teaching our therapist? Mm -hmm. I like to believe that anyone that is in this mental health field, you got to do the work outside of school. Mm. And I'm not saying that I'm perfect because I am not by any means. I am pretty close. You're pretty close. Well, no, (laughs) not at all. Not, not at all. Like there's so much that I'm continuing to learn, but that's important to me. Mm-hmm. I am interested and genuinely want to take care of my clients. And the only way I can do that is to get my shit right, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. And, and I'm not sure if Angela had mentioned it before, but for both of us, we experienced trauma from Black women. And Mm. so this time, especially for, I've been in therapy through the years being military with PTSD. Mm. But when I started, went through my friendship with Angela and she mentioned that, I was like, you know what? She's right. And I think I want to, because up until then, therapy wasn't working for me. Mm. And so when I got connected to my Rebecca and she's a white woman and she's like, I can talk about my racial issues and she doesn't do the white explaining. And mm-hmm. she tells me, well, this is what I'm reading and we can talk about it. Mm-hmm. And that's, and it made me more comfortable. And I'm not, not sure if Angela told you, I had a little bit of issue with white women in general, mm-hmm. Sure, but she helped me to get, comfortable and that and learn that it's not all just like with anything. Uh-huh. And yeah. I now have made a friend here and she's a white woman and she we're yeah. so much alike. You would have thought we were raised together. Mm-hmm. And I so the same thing about my Rebecca. That. Yeah, I said the same thing. We are. I don't know if you if you've ever picked up on how much alike we actually are, Rebecca. Mm-hmm. It's like oh, yeah. it's like it's so crazy that and I feel really lucky to not have to have interviewed any more therapists like yeah. you were my first and that was it. I was like, oh, this lady, we here. <laughs> yes, this is my tribe. This is We're my here. tribe. <laughs> so how important is it to do the work and, and to be, in a sense, I hate to use the word woke. It's just overdone. Yeah. But how how important is it to be more racially aware and more racially sensitive? And then how would you speak to someone, a black person who does not trust white people or does not think that white people can understand or relate to their experiences? How would you talk to them and how would you let them know that we're doing the work too and don't limit Mm -hmm. yourself to what you think staying in a a space that you think is going to help you? Because if I would have found a black woman, I don't think I would have had the breakthroughs only because Mm -hmm. of the trauma that was there. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, from my family, from my past relationships. And so for those who are apprehensive about going outside of their race to find a therapist, what do you say to them? I say, I don't blame you. (laughs) (laughs) I I get it. Right. (laughs) I I, I understand where you're coming from in terms of the mistrust again. Mm -hmm. Right. Like we have we have a lot of work that needs to be done in order Mm -hmm. to make this this space safe. 
and fair Mm -hmm. and equitable. Um, And kind of going back to your previous question, it is at the core to do your own work. I mean, I think the the statement that we hear is therapists know thyself. Like mm. we have to examine ourselves. Yes. Yes. There's okay. no yes. way to help anyone else unless you have done your own work. And I will swear, and I, Angela, I think I might've mentioned this to you before, but I will never see a therapist that does not have a therapist. Yes. We talked about that last night. I was just going to say that. Yes, yes. you said that. So why is that important? Well, it's important because, again, you've got to do your work. You've Mm -hmm. got to examine all these different things, not just from the racial standpoint, but how how can I help someone if I don't understand how it's influenced me or how it's coloring the pieces of information? And again, what information could I like possibly be projecting mm-hmm. onto others that I'm not aware of that's even going on? Yeah. Yes. And even what is it like, even um, kind of piggybacking off of that question, but not so much racially, what is it like as a therapist? I know for me, hearing people's issues, I take them on as for as my own. Mm. It is having a therapist yourself helpful in dealing with that. Does it get to you as well? Yes and no. Right. Like some days are better than others. There are things that come up in therapy that are challenging, that remind me of my previous trauma. And that's why it's Mm -hmm. so important for me to be working on my own stuff so I don't hang on to that, harbor that, let it color my work with the individual. Let me bring it home to my family. I don't want to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what you're saying is that you're not telling your therapist my business. Is that what you're, is that what you're saying? Exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> you believe me, there's <laughs> there's enough business on Syria that we don't have time for y'all. <laughs> we don't have time to discuss you in my therapy. <laughs> I have some good tea to share, though. I, that is, you're a strong will woman. <laughs> look, look, we, both of us, I'm, uh, you know, I, I can remember in the very beginning when I got out of the military. And of course, therapy was a stigma mm-hmm. yeah. uh, at that time. Because And then having to be the strong Black woman exactly. that you carry, that toxic label, therapy wasn't working. And I kept telling, going to the doctor, it's not working. Just give me mm-hmm. the medicine, it's mm-hmm. not working. And it wasn't until a nurse, when I had a suicidal attempt, mm-hmm. And she told me it's not working because you're not working. Mm. And that's something that people need to understand. If you want to be well, you need to apply the same amount of pressure, as they say, to your therapy as you do with anything else. So therapy is only going to work as much as you work it, as honest as you get with yourself. And it didn't start to work for me until I started to admit the things that I didn't even want to admit to anyone else. And I had to get comfortable with my therapist. So today, something that I discussed with my Rebecca was getting when you interview that therapist, because you have to understand that, yes, you're going to them for a service, but they're working for you. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so you want to make sure that dynamic. So what would you tell someone who is like, okay, I think I want what they want. How do I interview you? Yeah, right. That is a really 
tough question and are really good questions. I think it does. What, what do we say about our gut and our instincts, right? Like those, those are telling like trackers and markers. I think if there's a good feel, okay, let's go for it. Here's the other thing that I would tell anybody. Let's say you enter into this therapy relationship. Your first therapy session is just, who are you? What you've been doing? What's your family like? You know, info gathering. You get you get an okay vibe from it that time. Your second time you come in, it's not jiving. Or maybe this is your third time. Guess what? You get to change your mind. Mm. You get to leave You do not have to stay in any relationship, even Mm. a therapeutic one that isn't working, like you said. Okay. Yes, Uh, because this morning I was talking with my mother and through therapy, my mother asked, well, how do I find a therapist? And one thing I told her also was if you find at any time you're not going where you want to go, it's okay to tell your therapist, I appreciate you getting me here, but I need more help or I'm going to whatever. I said, they actually want you to say that because they can be helping someone else Mm -hmm. and you're wasting their time when you could be helped by someone else. So how would you tell someone who, like myself in the beginning, I was having a hard time severing ties with relationships. So I felt obligated to stay. Uh How would you tell someone the best way to approach severing the tie or, or breaking or the up with the therapist. Yeah. Breaking up with your therapist. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the question being asked? How do you break up with a therapist? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it has happened before and it doesn't feel good. Like any breakups, they don't feel good because yeah. you're, you know, it, it's not fun, but I, I, I think you have to know that it isn't personal. If you can separate that and know that this is about me and my help. And this therapist is going to be okay. If this isn't working for me, I got to be honest and let you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. it's more about knowing that you're not responsible for any feelings that person or that therapist might have. But this is yes. everything to do with what you need. Yeah. Yes. So yes. I, I, have a, I have a quick question. So I've talked to a few people who feel like, and this is a weird expectation. They feel as though they go to therapy the first time they meet the therapist and immediately that therapist knows what's wrong with them, how to fix it. They want change after the first session. And I'm like, girl, that is not how it works. So tell us what to expect in that first session Mm. with the therapist. Uncomfortableness. Is that a word? Mm -hmm. Being uncomfortable? It is today. (laughs) <laughs> it is that I thank you for that validation, ladies. Yeah, so I, I think that it's okay to be uncomfortable. It might be, there might be nerves, mm-hmm. you know, there can be, you can be scared and that's totally fine. All of those are appropriate for a, thir- a first therapy session for sure. Um, a lot of questions, a lot of info gathering Angela, you know my style. I'm yes. super, I try to be personable. I try to be down to earth. I try mm-hmm. to make it a natural conversation. That's what I would want mm-hmm. is it just know there's going to be a lot of questions. And here's the other thing. If, if you're going into a therapy session and let's say that, you know, your first session, if a question gets asked that perhaps you're not comfortable answering, you can say, I'm not comfortable answering that okay. right yes. now. Advocating for your needs. We're not trying to re-traumatize anybody on yes. that first session. Yes. I think for me, I felt like 
she already knows that I'm probably neurotic and maybe I'm bipolar. <laughs> you know, <laughs> perfect. Perfect. That's what you meant to say. She yeah. knows I'm perfect. Yeah. Right. <laughs> You're yeah, right, you're I think right. I, when I went into my first session with you, I didn't. I was terrified. I was like, "This woman's gonna think I'm crazy. She's going to say the anxiety is not a thing." Because I knew something was wrong. I knew. I knew what I was feeling was just not normal or it, it wasn't something I was supposed to feel every day. And so I was, there was a high level of anxiety. Like, what if she thinks I'm faking? What if she thinks I'm lying? And and of course it goes back to what we talked about earlier is this idea that doctors don't believe black women, doctors yes. don't believe black people. And so it was really refreshing to go into, to come into your office. And I didn't feel a moment of judgment. I didn't feel a moment of uncomfortability. And that is a word and is using stepbrothers. So it's a word. <laughs> it's a word. <laughs> yeah, there was no, there was no level of discomfort. I think that's probably yeah. the word. And so <laughs> I just feel like it was a great experience, but I also know that not everyone is going to find their, their person you know, on the first try. So we just, I'm hopefully this conversation with with you will encourage people to stick with it. I hope so. I also know that, you know, there's, there's a lot of, um, and you're probably familiar with these two, but there's a lot of um, different resources, therapy for black girls, you know, um, Henry Health, and, and there's a new platform that's coming out. It may already be out. I'm not sure, but I think it's called Ayana Therapy. Have okay. you heard of that at all? No. Okay. I'm going to okay. look into it. It's supposed to be an online. It may be in its beginning stages. Maybe they're beta testing. I'm not sure. But it's supposed to be an online platform for people of color and LGBTQ folks and the intersectionality between those two. Yeah. So I think that, you know, more resources like that, that, you know, de-stigmatize yeah. the yes. going to therapy, making it more accessible, making it part of the conversation um, and having it at a fingertip, you know, would be really incredible to have those opportunities and those, those opportunities, more spaces for Mm -hmm. people. Yes. Yes. And it is important, especially for us black women, because, because many of us shrink ourselves for everyone around us. Mm -hmm. And it is important because my Rebecca constantly reminds me, take up space, Mm -hmm. be you. Tell me how you feel. If you can't be comfortable and just say how you feel to your therapist, because this is the environment you can do it. Mm -hmm. Like my Rebecca, I told my mother today, I said, I've given you a couple of nice spoonful of fuck use (laughs) with my therapist. She knows about you. And I was like, now, when you have yours, you'll probably give me some spoonfuls, too. And I appreciate it. Whatever you got to do. But. That's what I'm saying. I want people to understand that when you get in there, this needs to be a comfortable relationship like Mm -hmm. any relationship. And so for some of us who are traumatized from relationships, close relationships where we don't really trust people or you have an issue like PTSD where and anxiety where you're a bit paranoid, how would you suggest they learn to trust themselves with opening up so therapy can be beneficial. Time, mm. honesty, mm-hmm. patience with self, yeah. you know? And again, I, I think time is the biggest thing and listening. Yeah. Like, yeah. is this a good fit? 
Do I feel safe? Am I able to ask for what I need in this time in order to feel safe so that I can do those things? Yes. Yes. Time is a big one. And again, going back to what I said earlier, if you're giving it time and it's not working, move on. Move on. Yeah. Move on. That's the thing. We tend to hold on to relationships for dear life, even when they aren't working Mm -hmm. for us. So it's very important that, especially when you're paying for it, like move Mm -hmm. on. It's time to yeah. cut your losses and go to, and, and yeah. it's not, it, it doesn't say anything about the therapist. You just may not mesh well. You yeah. know, just like anybody, we all have our differences and we yeah. all have our time moments where we don't quite get along, but mm-hmm. you know, it, it's no different than any other relationship. So you want to feel comfortable. If you're feeling stressed, then I mean, not, or, you're still withholding and have a distrust after some time. Yeah. I say, what would be the time frame you tell someone to give their therapist a good try before breaking up? That's that's sort of a, a movable number. I, I would okay. say, I mean, is three a magic number here? I don't know. Yeah. But three, maybe. But gosh, it's got to vary by person, you know, depending yeah. on, you know, If it's an expensive therapist, if it's one you're paying out of pocket, you may do a one time, you know, I'm coming in, you got one shot because I'm not spending all this money. Yeah. So, but what you're saying is basically just trust yourself, trust your gut. Yes. Um, And that, that takes time too, because we don't always trust ourselves in a lot of areas. And so Mm -hmm. I think kind of going with that gut feeling, your intuition, and you know, if you're not feeling something, just, you know. Here's the other thing. I think it's important too that, you know, going into a therapy session, if there is a difference in race, let's say you've got a white therapist, they better bring up race on one of the very Mm. first sessions. You got to bring it up. You've got to address it. We cannot act like it doesn't exist because it does. And a lot of for us as black people, especially in light of the recent shooting, We are constantly triggered and traumatized in this nation. And what would you suggest to the person who doesn't have the ability to pay for therapy? Mm -hmm. How would you suggest or what would you suggest that they do if they know that they need the help, but they just don't quite have the the income? The resources, yeah. The resources, yeah. Yeah. Do I have the answer for that? I'm not sure. I think a part of the thing that I wanted to maybe talk about today was that that's part of the issue here is that we don't have, those aren't available. They're not available for, it's challenging for those of low income. It's, you know, we have a critical shortage of practitioners. Mm-hmm. Um, where's the comprehensive, the, the, the racial comprehensive mental health treatment. And then here's the other thing. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, you probably are, but New York state has a legislation to where there's comprehensive mental health care being provided for kids K through 12. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. This is a a resource. Schools. Why? You know, we've got these kids, you know, for an extended period of time. Get in early, make it available. We have the resources to do these things. Mm -hmm. And that gives them a sense of therapy being normal. This is that they're important, that these feelings and needs are valid and valuable and need to be heard and, and taken care of. 
Yeah. Yeah. So Tasha, you just talked about the recent shooting and I was talking with Rebecca earlier about the Derek Chauvin trial where we have, and I've been watching the trial, even though it's been a hard thing to watch. And Tasha, I I know you haven't watched the trial, which is understandable. You know, we have to take our own mental health seriously. And for me, um, I feel as though it is my, it's my kind of duty to George to bear witness to this mm. trial as as millions mm. of others are. But again, that doesn't negate the idea or the thought or the truth that some people need to remove themselves from this trial in order to maintain a level of um, high mental healthness. And so mm. how do we do that, Rebecca? How do we balance what we're seeing? Because I've seen that video of him actually dying at yeah. least 20 times, mm. at least in this trial. And wow. from the prosecutor's standpoint, the jury can see, and there was a doctor, Dr. Tobin, I don't know if you guys read about him. He pinpointed the moment that mm. George Floyd closed his eyes and died. Mm. And so to continuously see that, it's been traumatic. Mm. And now mm-hmm. with the case, another case in Minnesota where a young black man murdered by the police, and we are seeing this. And again, when this trial in comes real about, time. we're going to see it again. How do we protect ourselves? How do we, what do we do for those who want to still be engaged and for those who say, I can't, how do we do? What's the balance there? Yeah, that's a good word, balance. You know, I'm always about boundaries. And, you know, I I think it's absolutely impossible to exist right now and not be traumatized by what's going on, especially as a person of color. I mean, constantly being reminded that you're not safe, no matter where you are. And I, I hear what you're saying, Angela, and I think it's really important that, you know, make the best choices for yourself. Mm-hmm. If if watching the trial, being engaged is what you feel you need to do, then let's make sure we have a counter. Let's look at how I can build in some self-care stuff. Mm-hmm. Let me unfollow mm-hmm. some accounts on social that oh, yeah. aren't serving me right now, girl boss. That's important. Uh, yes. You know, set some content limits on your devices. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's like, if you, let's say you're not watching the trial, but you want to stay up to date with where things are, set a limit in time. I give myself 10 minutes, right? Or whatever it is to, to get my daily update. What are we doing? And then I'm going to close it and put it away. Mm-hmm. That's how I've been doing it. I check. I, I only read. Yeah. I will not watch because mm-hmm. of the fact that they're showing video. And I just can't, you know, mm-hmm. with my trauma. Mm-hmm. And so in the morning, I read all the newest headlines. I'm done and I'm done for the day. Mm -hmm. Tasha, you bring up a great point, you know, that you know what works for you. Mm -hmm. You know your limits and that it may not look like Angela's. Mm -hmm. It may not look like the next person's. It's no right or wrong there. It's what works best for you. Yeah. You're listening to what you need. For me, I have a strict rule. I turn off the comments. I refuse to engage with anyone Uh, in the comments. Totally. Yes. I have blocked quite a few. um, The Candace Owens, the Fox News, the Terrence K's, the Diamonds and Silks. I don't see them anymore. And I've started to block people who share their content, even if I do follow them. Mm. And so it is really me just watching the trial to see, you know, where we are, the evidence. Now they're, they're, the defense is called and it's not even making me angry. I get it that 
That's what you do as a defense attorney is you try to get your client off. That's just what you do. But I wanted to hear people explain this away. You know, I wanted to hear what people have to say to justify the yeah. use of force that led to the murder of George. Oh, yeah. So, okay. To me, that's important. I need to hear it out of your mouth that you feel like this wasn't an, uh, uh, an excessive use of force mm-hmm. and you feel like he didn't die. I, I, need to, I need to hear those things because for me, I don't want to, it's one thing to know that you don't like me as a person. I want to hear it out of your mouth. I want yeah. to hear you say as a white person, um, well, we thought that George Floyd was uh, malingering and he was faking and we just left him on the ground because whatever. And and the reason why it's not my fault as a white man for murdering him is because he shouldn't have been faking in the first place or faking the other times or all the rest of the black people who fake. Like we don't know. So for me, it's this sense of I need to know my enemy in a sense. And I also want mm. to bear witness to this trial, the people who've spoken out mm. about how good of a person, George, like we all have our shit. Yeah. It doesn't negate who you are, exactly. the, the entire bend of our lives in a sense. That's right. Yeah, so well said. It's, it's just, I don't know. I just felt like I needed to be there, but I'm doing the work. And I just worry about people who aren't, who are either yeah. so caught mm-hmm. up in it or who are desensitized now. Because I, that was something I was worried about too. Like, how many black bodies do you get to see on the ground well, before you become desensitized? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, for me, as a mother with four black sons, mm-hmm. I'm petrified on a regular basis to the point that I have their location. So if I got to get to you, I know exactly where Mm -hmm. you are based on your cell phone or your watch. Yeah. And it is difficult as their mother and as they're growing to be these men, how do you protect them and how do you find peace, you know, and hope for their future? Mm-hmm. as a parent where I allow them freedom to live because even now I'm still hovering and a, a few of them are adults. <laughs> so I need help with that. <laughs> well, ask your Rebecca. Don't ask my Rebecca. She's mine. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I'm not. She doesn't want to share you. I don't. I, and <laughs> I, I'm going to give you the last word, Rebecca. So definitely you can Tell us how to reach you, how if someone wants to hire you as or interview you as their therapist <laughs> or even just to figure out how to f- get started on their own. Like if you yeah. have any information you want to share with us, I do recommend that y'all find your own therapist in Memphis because she's mine. <laughs> <laughs> you will get possessive of your therapist. Hey. I was telling Angela yesterday, <laughs> my therapist was like, OK, so I'll see you in two weeks instead of next week. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, wait, hey, girlfriend. Yeah. What's going on? I love Why it. are you backing away yeah. from me? Are you breaking up with me? That's a necessary part of therapy because you don't want to become codependent either. This is yes. correct. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah we're, and I'm at the maintenance part of therapy now, I think. Um, and there's some other things we got to deal with, too. But I think I'm for where we are now, pandemic wise and, you know, where I started, I feel like. I made a lot of progress and that is in large part to you. So thank you so much, Rebecca. Oh gosh. It's, it's my, my honor to get to work with you and to be here with both of you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Rebecca, I need to tell you cause she probably ain't told you. Okay. Uh, What'd you got? Angela was the hardest person to convince to go to therapy. She knows. Uh (laughs) She knows. (laughs) I'm like, Angela, that's anxiety, sis. Do I have you to thank for this? Were you pushing her? 
I pushed. Yeah. She did push. She this did push. This is what therapy is doing yeah. for me. And I would share that's things awesome. on Facebook. Yeah. But with her, I was like, sis, that's anxiety. Yeah. I need you to turn the TV off. Yeah. And find a therapist. Yeah. But I'm, a- I mean, full disclosure, a lot of the time, you know, I thought about therapy. I've been to support groups, found those that weren't, those weren't for me. You know, I've tried to do the reading. Of course, I tried the prayer and the counseling. None <laughs> of that shit worked for me. Also, like you talked about earlier, Rebecca, the resources weren't there for me. You know, I couldn't afford it. I didn't have health insurance, you know, and so I've been fortunate enough to grow in my career, have health insurance now and I can and come and see you. And it just breaks my heart that that is the gatekeeper. The insurance company is the gatekeeper in a sense and the government that doesn't allow people to have yes. access to, mm-hmm. to health care. Yeah. Yeah, you're exactly really right. But right. Yeah. So tell us how we find you. Tell us where people should go to, to yeah, check yeah. out your bio. and and Sure, for sure. I want to say this really quick first, though. Tasha, I think it's so awesome that you're honest and you're open about your experience. Hearing from your friends and hearing from like-minded people and from other people of color that this is a thing that has worked for them is sharing your story. Mm-hmm. And that is so invaluable to hear that. So keep doing that work. That's incredible. You both are awesome. Yeah. Um, How to find me? Well, uh, you can find me on Psychology Today. I know a lot of people don't like that site, but I think it's fantastic. It's just a platform where you can kind of search through pictures and read bios. I'm there. My email is blackbirdcounselingtn for Tennessee at Gmail. If anybody wants to shoot an email, I'm happy to help in any way that I possibly can. There are some other resources online resources. You guys might be familiar with those, but there's um, Brother, You're On My Mind. That's a a resource where folks can look for therapists. There's the Black Mental Health Alliance. I want to see the other one. Hurdle, I believe, is the other one. And those are three really good resources to try and find culturally sensitive therapists in your area, what's around you, that type of thing. Awesome. Thank yes. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for Thank doing you. this. Oh, I'm so happy. Thanks for having me. Thank it was you. We, we hope that really you'll great. come back. Yeah, and I'd love to. Thanks. Have the, the double Rebecca day. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, my Rebecca it. is so down. She was like, <laughs> it's the name. It's the name. It's the- <laughs> <laughs> I love her already. She is amazing. And you guys, your personalities are the same. And it's so funny, Angela, because how our relationship, we picked two Re- two Rebecca's and they're very much alike. Absolutely. <laughs> and we're all kind of alike. <laughs> I love it. You I guys it. are part of our tribe. That's Tasha saying. Yes. Find mm. your tribe. So I love it. Yeah. You ladies are awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Stay safe. We will. Take care of yourselves. You too. You and too. Um, yeah, we'll talk later. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. you.